Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. And hello everyone, I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast, where we talk high school athletics with our high school sports reporter Alexis Cubit, who was at a volleyball match tonight on Tuesday, and it'll probably be our most up-to-date podcast that we've had so far, Alexis, since it's about midnight here in the old podcast room. But I guess starting off, I mean, we'll talk a little bit of High school football, obviously, because that's what everyone kind of wants to chat about. But you were obviously at a volleyball match where uh, you had some two good teams, Trinity Christian being the team that we were covering in the match against Midland uh, Trinity. But uh, we'll talk some high school, talk a little bit of volleyball since you were at one and just kind of some district standings and stuff. And then, of course, uh, don't forget that second portion where we talked to a head coach of a winning team from last week, hoping to get John Cornelius on the phone. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit late, so we'll probably get to them on Wednesday. So this hopefully will either publish on Wednesday night or Thursday morning. So apologize for that, but had a little bit of trouble doing that. But speaking of people that didn't have trouble, Trinity Christian, certainly a good volleyball team. And uh, you obviously got to see uh, Madeline Cox and Brooke Cox tonight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, both girls are major contributors. Um, Brooklyn or Brooke Cox, I'm sorry, um, led in kills, I believe it was 13. And mm-hmm. then Madeline Cox had a few kills there and just kind of Gave that energy that they needed. Um, just a, a fun team. You can tell that they have a lot of fun. I mean, they're out there, you know, laughing and dancing and, mm-hmm. you know, getting getting wins. Um, they got the sweep over Midland Trinity, uh, which they had already swept Midland Trinity two weeks ago. And so that was a serious sweep of sweeps. Mm-hmm. Um, so that obviously will bode well for them. It looks like they'll have a good chance to win their district. They'll go to Lubbock Christian on Saturday and, They've already beaten Lubbock Christian, and so they're um, they're they're trucking along. I think the good thing is you have a lot of experience back from that 2017 state championship team. They remember that. They know what it takes to get there, and so you know they're just looking really good right now. I think the other thing, uh, along with looking good, I think that the biggest thing is I think uh, Coach Tyler Neal finally got them kind of playing on the same page. I know it seems kind of weird. This late in the season, but I think for volleyball, sometimes the matches kind of wear on you a little bit. But I think uh, now that the playoff push has started, you're obviously kind of vying for that seating at this point. And I think uh, Trinity Christian, as you kind of mentioned, you got a couple of girls in Brooke Cox, and uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, it's not Madeline Cox. It's um Maddie to, Grace Ritchie. Uh, Matt, no, uh, the 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 two Cox sisters. I'm trying to remember the two right now. Uh, Madeline and. Well, they're not sisters, but... Oh, that's right. Madeline and Brooke, I apologize. They're they're not related. Sorry, it's a little bit late, everyone. But um, in terms of those two, they obviously have that experience going to state. They're going to have that urgency kind of pushing uh, the rest of their teammates for that. And, of course, uh, that is obviously shown by their district record. The overall record looks a little bit odd just because of the two ties, but uh, a winning record nonetheless overall. And then, of course, an undefeated district mark. Other teams that 
really did some work today. Friendship, a team that we've talked about, done so well. Gracie Harrison with a double-double. Kaden uh, Gennebacher had a double-double as well, so they're still in first place, so congrats to them. And then, of course, the Lady Plainsmen at Monterey getting a victory tonight as well, making sure that they've at least ensured themselves a third-place spot in District 3-5A. So certainly some big matches there, but uh, I think everyone kind of wants to talk a little bit of football. Last week, I guess, what, what were some of the impressions you took away? Um, last week was kind of interesting. I think the biggest thing was Estacado still being undefeated. Yep. Um, I was at the the Lubbock Cooper game against Plainview. Mm-hmm. They won that one fifty nine to zero. So yep. obviously a good. They honestly needed that kind of a push, especially going to uh, Wichita Falls Rider right mm-hmm. this week, and just knowing the what happened last year of them beating him in the regular season, but then losing in the postseason. It's not forgotten. They still remember that. Um, that was one of the things. Borden County. Um, as I wrote about in my column, they're still undefeated. Mm-hmm. They had the fifty four eight win over O'Donnell, which. Yep. Interestingly enough, I thought it was kind of cool. I was talking to Coach Richie uh, on Monday. He actually coached um, O'Donnell's coach, Coach Baeza. Yep. That was one of his players. And then he actually coached with them, the two together. And so then they coached against each other. So it wasn't, it was a little bittersweet for Coach Richie, obviously, being one of his former players and coaches. But um, they got the win nonetheless. And uh, yeah. So that was one of them. Um, I think another one, even though Friendship did lose to Midlandly, I think the fact that they were able to kind of keep up with them was a good sign for at least half. Um, and then you have um, Coronado losing on the that last second mm-hmm. field goal. That was a tough one for them. I mean, they battled. Uh, certainly they, they haven't lost that fight, that passion that Coach Parr has talked about. So that's something to at least kind of take as a positive as we kind of eventually look into – this weekend's games, they'll obviously be playing yeah. Monterey. We'll talk a little bit about that. There's no Thursday games, which is kind of an interesting deal. We're so used to having a Thursday game and then mm-hmm. Friday stuff. But Friday's filled with some really good games. But just kind of going back to last week, I know obviously a tough one for Seth Parr and company, but I really think that there's something going here. Obviously, the end of district is getting there, so a little bit of urgency for a lot of teams, especially with Coronado and Monterey. That one should be interesting. But anything else you took away uh, from last week in terms of some of those results as well? Um, I think that was the the biggest thing, um, just those games, and then you know coming into this week, Abernathy had actually a big win over Stanton there to start yep, district play. Not shocking. Then, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's kind of no brainer, but um, then you had New Deal there beating uh, Olton. Mm-hmm. You know, so that just kind of shows that you know again, New Deal is New Deal is New Deal. They are who yep. they are, and have a good chance of getting back to district. But like I said before or I'm sorry, winning the district championship. But that district, I don't know, that's always one that just kind of like sticks out to me just because of how well Post is doing right now. Yep. I mean, there's still one of, I think, eight teams in our coverage area that are still undefeated. Um, they got a big win on Friday also. So I honestly think at this point, now just kind of seeing how everything pans out, um, it'll be Floyd Ada, Hale Center, and Olton all fighting for that fourth spot. Mm-hmm. I think Sundown, New Deal, and Post have kind of secured their, yeah, their spots there. So. Yeah, that, that's kind of my, my biggest takeaways from uh, that first week. Obviously now, I think there's only a couple couple teams that haven't started district just yet, but for the most part, everybody's kind of getting into it. And like you mentioned, obviously that Coronado-Monterey game will be a big one coming up. So talking about this Friday's games as we kind of transition from last week to this week, we have Coronado-Monterey, two teams that are desperate for a dis- district win, and not only that, but just desperate for 
a win in general just to obviously kind of change the mentality, just kind of maybe get that little bit of extra kind of shot in the arm, so to speak. Monterey getting a bye week, so that's kind of big for them to where they didn't necessarily have to play. Maybe, depending who you talk to, was it a good time for a bye, a bad time for a bye? It doesn't matter. The thing is, is they had a bye. They are now fired up, ready to play Coronado, an in-town rival. And not only that, but then uh, Coronado obviously – Playing at a high level at this point, so you have to at least like the fact that Coronado's coming into this one. Even though they are coming off a loss, it feels like the offense is starting to get things going. Sawyer Robertson is kind of getting things going because now the offensive line is working a little bit better for him. He's able to get some time in the pocket, throw the ball a little bit to some of his playmakers, and it seems like the running game is going as well with Caleb Manuel. Yeah, I think they're still working to get that, but I think the biggest thing with Coronado, just from talking to Coach Parr, is just not necessarily the offense, but getting the defense, you yeah. know, and those young guys kind of getting going, figuring out what they need to do, just getting down the mechanics of being a defensive player, and once they get that, I think they'll be fine, but um, obviously struggled against the run, Yeah, you know, that's something that's obviously a point of emphasis, but... Um, they'll they'll get their experience with Trent White still on we're on D Lacey watch at this point. Yeah, um, I want to say it was a month ago. Yeah, about three Coach or four Hutch games. Said yeah, he'd be out for about two two to six weeks. So he could be back any game now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but like I said, Trent White is doing well at holding down that position. Um, and then Corian has no problems taking mm-hmm. off and running. So when you have that dual threat quarterback, it kind of helps to to make up there. And I mean, they've got the depth. I think the biggest thing right now is just from talking to Coach Hutch is just that repetition and looking at what needs to be fixed and making those fixes. Obviously, you know, both teams are coming in, you know, feeling like they have to win, which they do. Yeah. You know, the thing about football that's unique, obviously than other sports is you don't get two times to play a team. You know, you have to win right then. And so I think that's something that obviously is on their mind. I think Monterey's maybe a little more, maybe I don't want to use the word panic, but just a little more have that urgency because they have lost four straight games. You know, it's only been two for Coronado, and I know losing sucks no matter what, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's I guess at that point where, you know, they're all coming in and they're really wanting that win. In terms of teams that are looking for a win, obviously uh, not the way they wanted it to happen, but friendship coming back home to People's mm-hmm. Bank Stadium, that's going to be one where they're not necessarily playing the same Midland team, but they're going to be playing a team from Midland again, Midland High. They're hosting going into this one. I think it's going to be good for the Tigers to get back home, just kind of get that winning feeling back again because Donovan Smith has been everything that everyone has been talking about. He's a dynamic player. The rest of the offense is working well. Drew Hokut has kind of stepped up. And you've also seen some of the other defensive players step in as well. Didn't see it last week uh, where obviously they kind of gave up a lot of points in that one. But I think the one thing that you have to like is the offense is at least on par because last year the offense was kind of sputtering a little bit. And you saw that because the defense would kind of make some mistakes or they wouldn't be able to hold the uh, the opposing uh, offense to – maybe under 20, 25 points. Here, you kind of feel okay if you kind of give up 20 points. You know the offense can score more than that. Yeah, and I think last year there it seemed like there was a lot of, just from trying to get a feel of things, a lot of different um, things going on, different injuries and stuff that kind of affected them. Just not such great luck, maybe, I guess you could say. But I think this year, obviously, it seems like they had hit a stroke of good luck. Yeah. So, you know, just take what, what the game gives you. But, I mean, I think the defense is definitely coming along. Jake uh, Gilbert had that fumble return. So, you know, you have little pieces here or there, but it's just a matter of kind of 
putting everything together, but I think they'll be able to to get that win against Midland High this week. I have them going to the playoffs this year. I know it sounds a little reactionary, but I mean, just from everything that's happened, you know, I mean, you don't like to lose, but I don't think that the Midland League was a bad loss. I mean, you have what six six teams that can now say they mm-hmm. <laughs> even beat my Midland League, so um, mm-hmm. friendships and good company. But you know, like I said, of course they're not going to see it that way because they want to win. But um, you know, like I said, I think they'll they'll rebound and do just fine this week. Obviously, some other good games too. Anything else kind of stand out to you? I know those are the two, at least for me. You got the in town rivalry between those two. Mm-hmm. You're obviously going to be at the friendship game at People's Bank Stadium. Anything else that kind of stood out to you? I know the one that I was looking at that we wanted to get to, but obviously there's just sometimes too many games for us. Uh, Rawls at Smyer. Rawls is rolling Smyer, rolling as well a little bit. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, Smyer's defense is able to slow down um, Abraham Van Gundy and some of those other guys, Jerry Flores. We spoke into Coach uh, Javier uh, Rangel, and he's just very impressed with the kind of buy-in from all the guys. Obviously, they know what success tastes like. They had nine wins last last year, but the new goal now is to get a deep playoff run. And to do that, you have to win that first one. And that's what uh, Javier on Hell feels like his team needs to figure out is, can you get off to that quick start, which they've done, obviously, to start uh, their district run. But the thing is, is can you do it once it's win or go home? And I think that's uh, one thing that I don't know how you kind of teach that, but I think... Certainly, if you roll through district and you feel good about yourselves going into the playoffs, that's going to certainly be, be a huge help. Yeah, and I think they, they should be able to get the win against Meyer, but I think it might be a little closer than, you know, than maybe the records indicate. Which, I mean, under a new coach with uh, Scott Funky there at Smyer, mm-hmm. I think they're actually having a good season. I believe their record is four and two right now. Um, so, yeah, I don't think Smyer is somebody that Ross is going to run over. I've been wrong before, but. Uh, you know, they have Ethan Ramirez there playing quarterback, who I believe is leading in rushing and passing with 14 tackles on the season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you have two quality opponents. And like you said, we would have loved to have gotten out there, but uh, the schedule just works how it works. And, you know, we'll, we'll see plenty how that Yeah, I was going to say, we'll see how that goes out because both coaches are good at sending stuff. So, Oh, so you're saying if you send stuff, we cover you. Go figure. No, no, we, we, we don't do that. We, JK. we, uh, we cover everyone. Is everyone on those? It's just there's not enough of us to do so, but we do our best to obviously cover everyone. So we do appreciate when you do send us your stats and uh, results at sports at LubbockOnline.com, or you can call us at 806-766-8736. We always appreciate the coaching staffs that do that because obviously it's about the kids and we're trying to get them in the newspaper. But uh, anything else that you wanted to mention before we kind of cut this one off? Because like I said, it's close to midnight. I'm sure you're tired. I have been tired because I've been up since about 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock yeah. El Paso time. So I feel like my voice is starting to do that weird like frog thing where it's like frog thing. shaking. You know what I mean? Like, like Kermit the Frog. Yeah, it's like know? or sandpaper. I don't know. But the last thing I guess I mentioned is probably just Estacado. You know, they'll go to Dalhart this week. We'll mm-hmm. see, you know, how they do against them. I that just, is actually an interesting uh, matchup because Dalhart has been uh, – a little bit of a bugaboo for them at times where they kind of get off to that slow start. I know Cluley's been talking about the fact that his team's been getting off to fast starts, but uh, you kind of have to put four quarters together. Um, I believe he said they got close the last couple games, but he wants to see it in one full game. And I guess obviously once you get to there, I think at that point, then he has to kind of figure out some new goals because it's seven and oh, there's a, there's nowhere to go but up, I guess, at that point. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You, I mean, even if they were to 
knock on wood, lose every game. I mean, you still have a winning record at this point. Correct. So, and, and I'm pretty sure you'll. But you wouldn't have, have a district title. True. True. Yes. And that's the goal. I mean, mm-hmm. I think last year. That's the thing. I think Estacado is just not short of motivation. Correct. You know, they have everything they they want to fight for. They, you know, last year they didn't win the district title. Mm-hmm. Levelin did. Um, so that's something. Then they have, you know, obviously playing for Coach Kelly after his passing. So mm-hmm. that's something. And then they just feel like they have to prove people wrong. So feel I feel like they got to go win a regional title after they felt like they were right, kind of close to it last Rose. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. They're just, like I said, they're not short of motivation right now. And I think that that's definitely paying off. Um, I think Coach Cooley said the Wichita Falls one was a pretty complete one. And then this past week was about as close to complete as they've gotten. So, I mean, you have, you know, the two Dobbins brothers. You have a stacked defense. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know. Defense travels. Limit. Defense travels, and it certainly did when they played Hereford, which was, I thought, the biggest test for them because they would have to match toughness. It's not necessarily an athletic thing. It's toughness. And sometimes you can't really look at, look at or even kind of, uh, see toughness in a practice. You just kind of have to see it. The other thing, too, is when they played Borger, they had to play in the cold. That's something you're going to have to get used to when you get to these October, November games. Yeah. I thought they played very well. Obviously, they had the big plays. Uh, when you have a good running attack and a good defense, I think that kind of nullifies the fact that there's cold or the weather or anything like that. I think these guys are ready for anything, and it should be interesting to kind of watch them the rest of the way, along with the rest of our Lone Star Varsity coverage area teams. And you can obviously follow us on Twitter at Lone Star Varsity. You can follow Alexis at Alexis, A-L-E-X-I-S underscore C-U-B-I-T. I I can still spell even though it's late. And then, of course, uh, don't forget to check us out at the print edition of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal every day. And then starting on Thursday, of course, don't forget to check out all the stats, package that we put out, and then, of course, uh, all our picks for the week. And, of course, going into our Friday coverage along with our photo galleries and everything else that comes in the Saturday edition as well. Once again, I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, joined by Alexis Cubit. We appreciate you listening this week. And don't forget to check out our second portion of the podcast where we talk to a head coach from a winning team from last week. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. And welcome, everyone, to the second portion of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast, where we talk to a coach from a winning side from the prior week. And this week, we've got Sudan head coach John Cornelius. Coach, uh, appreciate you jumping on the old uh, podcast. Uh, I guess, uh, how are things going this week? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Just just normal prep and getting ready for the for the for a very quality team in Seagraves. Absolutely. So, uh, but, but we appreciate you having us on. Hey, no, man. If anything, uh, my biggest question, and I know some people always kind of like to wonder, but I guess uh, since we're recording this on Thursday, I guess what do you all normally do on a Thursday? Is that just walk through, or I guess what would you guys kind of do to kind of prep for that Friday night football game? Yeah, you know, Thursday's a, uh, a shorter practice for us, yep. and, and, you know, we, we typically just go helmet and, and, and shorts and T-shirt and kind of do a walkthrough and, and uh, kind of try to go through all the phases of the game and and fine tune any any last last minute things that that we're concerned about and and uh, just you know try to try to get try to get the whole game plan you know make sure the kids know what we're what, what, what we're expected to do on Friday and and just one final run through. Well, I know for the fans that are just kind of looking at Sudan and they kind of look at the record, obviously six and zero, pretty good for your first year there. But I guess what have you felt to really has kind of helped you kind of jump out to that quick start? I mean, I, I can obviously kind of point out some things, but I, I'm always curious to see what a coach kind of sees because obviously you're around the guys a little bit more. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, I think a lot of it started last year. You know, they had a they they got a new coach last year, Coach Verdell. You know, mm-hmm. stayed a year, but but kind of the winning started, kind of jump started and went out nine nine and zero, and then then kind of didn't finish the way they quite quite the way they wanted to. Yeah. But uh, I think anytime you can start, you know, developing that winning mentality, it, it's always easier the next year. And I think we've kind of piggybacked on some of that. Now, what we did, what we have done is change the systems. Uh, we're running a completely different offense mm-hmm. and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a significantly different defense. So, but the kids have adapted to that well. Uh, they bought in, but, but, you know, that winning culture was already established and, and we're just trying to build off of that. Speaking of that offense, it's been, uh, I mean, you can just kind of look at all the numbers when you look at 46, 44, 40, 45, 54, 48 points scored. You guys are, you guys on offense are averaging 46 points a game. I know everyone will look at Christian Montes as the guy, but who else has been kind of, uh, I guess, key to helping you all just be so successful when you do get the ball? Well, I think a big key for us is, is being, being able to be balanced. You know, uh, uh, we, we, we still pride ourselves on running the football, but, mm-hmm. but in the, in the passing game, we've, we've been able to spread it out between, you know, we've got, we got four, four to five receivers with all, all pretty close to the same amount of receptions and yards. And so anytime you can spread the ball out and force defenses to cover their, cover the entire field, uh, I think that, that lends itself to, to good offense. And, and Christian's been a good job, has done a good job of distributing the ball to those guys. And, and when they've had their opportunities, they've done a good job with it as well. And then our offensive line is playing outstanding. Uh, doing a very good job up front creating seams and giving Christian time to throw the ball. When he does have uh, time to throw the ball, he obviously has Joe Lamone and, uh, excuse me, Beto Mendoza. Just when you kind of look at those two guys, what have they been able to do? They're your top two leading receivers that have allowed them to average about uh, 20 yards a catch, which is kind of, I mean, it's kind of unbelievable when you think every time they catch a ball, it's, it's basically a first down and a little bit more. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I think I think that all starts with a run game. You know, yeah. people have had to try to load the box to stop the run. Uh, Christian leading the way with that, but we've we've also got some other backs all all averaging around four to five yards of carry, and uh, you know, I think that's opened up some scenes. And and the biggest the biggest thing for those those guys is that when their numbers being called, they've been really consistent about delivering. So uh, you know, anytime they get a ball thrown to them, there's been very few very very few drop passes. And they've done a good job of getting open and exploiting those seams and defense. And, and you know, uh, uh, I just think uh, that, you know, they bought into what we ask them to do and they, they come to work every every week and try to improve. Once again, you're listening to the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. We're talking to Sudan head coach John Cornelius, who has the Hornets off to a 6-0 start in his first year. Coach, uh, we talked a little bit about offense, defense. You mentioned how you guys changed things a little bit, obviously without – Giving away a lot, I guess. What what have y'all changed, and how has uh, Brett Wilson kind of been that guy that's really kind of led kind of led the way for y'all? Well, we we went from a from a from a three four front to a to a three three stack, mm-hmm. and uh, probably a little more aggressive uh, blitzing wise, and then and then trying to change the back end coverage a little bit, and you know we put Brett right there in the middle of that defense, and and man, I tell you what, for a, for a kid that that just buys into everything you you ask him to do, and and he plays with an extremely high motor on every play. I mean, he's going full tilt, you know, from whistle to whistle. And, and uh, just, 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 you know, his energy and his effort is probably, probably what separates him from, from, from a lot of guys. And, and uh, you know, Coach Sanders has done a great job with that unit. And, and each week we, they take pride in, in seeing how many three and outs they can get. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, always the goal is a shutout. But, but uh, they've done a great job on that side of the ball. 
And just another senior, just like Brett, uh, Parker Batten, uh, obviously another guy. I guess, have you just kind of seen the kids just really kind of gravitate towards that defense? Because I know you, you kind of use the word that everyone likes to likes to hear on defense, which is blitz a little bit more, maybe be more aggressive. Have you kind of seen the kids just kind of embrace that and just know that, hey, anytime we can kind of make a big play? Oh, no doubt. You know, kids kids like to, to be aggressive. They don't want to sit back and read and react. They sure. want to. They want to attack and, and, and they like that attack mentality. And, you know, we, we, we preach swarm and punish. We were trying to get as many guys to the ball as we can and, 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 and then to be, uh, uh, you know, super aggressive when we get there. So, you know, uh, the, the guys, the guys are real excited. Uh, you know, you couldn't ask for, for better chemistry for a first year, uh, coaching staff. Really, mm-hmm. we only had one guy held over from the last staff. So, uh, you know, everything, everybody's just bought into the family atmosphere and, and things have really clicked better better than anybody could have expected. I know, obviously, every coach will find something to obviously critique, but 48-0, your first shutout against Bovina last week. What, what did you like from your guys in, in terms of the defense of kind of pitching their first shutout after being so close the last couple of weeks? Well, I think, you know, it was probably the first game when we played four quarters. You know, we, yeah. we, we jumped out on everybody. Uh, most of our points have been scored in the first half, and then mm-hmm. we kind of pulled off. And, and sometimes when you pull off, you know, your kids react yeah. relax a little bit. But but I, I think we did a lot better job staying focused throughout the game and continuing to to uh, to do our job, even though we're up, you know, 30, 40 points. And, yeah. and sometimes that's difficult for kids to do. But, but I've... I was really, really proud of the way they did that. And then we forced, we forced turnovers and, and just got off the field when we had opportunities to get off the field. I guess what, what have you kind of seen from Seagraves that kind of uh, f- feel like, like they're going to challenge you at? Well, you know, they got a really, really outstanding running game. They got two yep. really, really good running backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're, they run physical. Uh, they, they don't go down easy. Uh, you know, they're going to pound the ball between the tackles. And, and man, I, I tell you what, they're going to, they're going to challenge your front. And, uh, you know, defensively, those, those same guys that are doing that on offense, yeah. are, they, they play in the interior yeah. of their defense as well. So, so you know, it's going to be a difficult task to run between the tackles. Uh, we're going to have to try, to try to get them back out of there, maybe throw the ball on them a little bit. But uh, uh, they, they, they pre- present a very good challenge for us. You know, they took, they took Farwell, who was the district favorite, right, right mm-hmm. to the wire last week. And, and I know they're playing a lot better, and, and uh, they're still young, so they're getting better every week. And, and uh, we, we sure got our hands full with those guys. So I guess for you, Coach, I know you kind of brought it up at the beginning of our conversation, but uh, in terms of the guys obviously jumping out to that big uh, undefeated start, I guess how do you kind of continue and make sure that these guys kind of validate each victory to make sure that they don't kind of teeter off like they did last season? Well, you know, we just we just try to take it one game at a time, and, and I don't know how many times we brought up last season because, you know, that left a bitter taste in yeah. their mouth. So so the hunger's there, and they know what they know. They hadn't won anything yet. Uh, they, they, you know, won nine games last year, but didn't mm-hmm. get a trophy. And uh, so, so they kind of been there. And I think that's our that's that's our biggest asset is the fact that they've been there last year and know that you got to finish. And and we preach finishing every every week. And 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 more importantly than that, we just try to take it one game at a time. You know, we're we're one and zero right now in district play, but but we're zero and zero this week. So we got to we got to win this one. Last question for you, Coach. I know I talk about Christian and some of the other guys that I've mentioned. Is there a kid that maybe doesn't get that much shine that you feel has kind of really been that either glue guy or just guy that's really kind of kept your guys kind of kind of on task this year? Well, I tell you what, we got a, we got our uh, left tackle, Adrian Sattal. You know, he don't he, he don't say much. He yeah. <laughs> he, he just kind of blends in, and yeah. and I tell you what, he comes to work every day. 
Uh, it's never about him, and he does everything the coaches ask him. And and right now, if you had to ask me who our best offensive lineman was, it it, it would be Adrian Stall. And I just think he does this, just the, the the mindset he brings every day, the work ethic and the intensity, and uh, just the willingness to to be selfless. Uh, I couldn't say enough about that kid. Once again, that's Sudan head coach John Cornelius. The Hornets are six and zero going into a game against Seagraves, who's two and four. It's at seven p.m. in Sudan. Appreciate the time, coach, and good luck to you the rest of the year, man. All right, thank you very much. Awesome. You've been listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Carlos Silva from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. We'll talk to you next week.